The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. On Galatians chapter number 6, I want you to think about this. Uh, quick fixes. Guys, sometimes we're good at quick fixes. Uh, duct tape, that'll do it, right? Duct tape for anything, and it's better if it's camouflage, right? Right? They make um, duct tape in all sorts of colors, don't they? And you can match anything, and as long as it can uh, be fixed with duct tape, it's, uh, it's all right. Uh, quick fixes. Sometimes we, uh, we uh, uh, try to fix something uh, quickly that uh, really shouldn't have been done that way. It doesn't last really long. How many of you have bought a house before and found out that the previous owner was very fond of quick fixes? Maybe in electrical <laughs> or in plumbing? I found some of those. I found out this, uh, this year that someone on uh, quick fixed and, uh, and plumbed the, uh, the furnace drain uh, right into a hole under the bathtub. And so I didn't realize it. It was dark under there. And so I realized that I had standing water inside the house. And what do you know about standing water inside of a house? Sitting there and stagnating. It causes problems. Quick fixes don't work well. What about the guy who uh, uh, could not find his wife's uh, uh, kitchen mixer and so came up with this quick fix? fix. Give me that one. Can you see that? How about it, guys? Yeah, we got it done. It, it works. A quick fix. Quick fix. What about the, uh, the teenager who broke a clock and um, thought that he could, uh, he could do this and fix the clock? How about the, uh, the young adult in a car accident? Didn't want to get the dent pulled? put pow there, you know, you know, quick fixes, don't they don't, they don't uh, sometimes you know, might cover up or uh, might make it a little bit better, but oftentimes quick fixes don't in reality do much at all. They uh, often come back, uh, uh, come back to hurt us. And in matters of our spiritual life, something that in our instantaneous society, our microwave society, uh, there's even uh, now the Instapots, how many of you have an Instapot at home? We do. They pressure up, you know, and, and you, can have, you can have roast in a matter of a couple of hours or less. I mean, it's pretty amazing. But in our instantaneous society, oftentimes we can allow that mindset to blend over or bleed over into our spiritual lives, and we think that the problems in our spiritual lives can, uh, can be solved with a quick fix, with a Band-Aid. And listen, when we're dealing with matters of the Spirit, our relationship with God, or matters of our relationships with one another, very seldomly is there ever a quick fix to it. Many times the problems that have developed over time, and we want to put a Band-Aid over, we want to find a one-verse devotional that will help solve that, that problem in our lives, uh, it isn't a reality. Uh, the Bible actually gives us an illustration. God gives us here in Galatians chapter number uh, 6 an illustration from agriculture to help us to realize that the choices of today resolve in the consequences of tomorrow. And that the choices you make right now about the problems in your life right now are either going to make them better or they're going to make them worse. Sometimes our lives and relationships our family lives, they can get messy. Some of the decisions that we make can cause our relationships to, to fall apart or have some problems. And if we just go searching for a quick fix, hey, this looks like this will work. Someone told me that this worked in their life, and we just look for a quick fix to apply to it. Oftentimes, we're going to regret it down the road. 
God says, no, there is a way to fix it. There is a way to adjust it. There is a way to see true spiritual blessing in your life and in your relationships and within your home. But it requires some effort. It requires some a willingness to be committed to a long-term goal or a long-term fix, a long-term solution, rather than, oh, what Bible verse can I apply to this and just get it fixed in 24 hours? Listen, our society, our culture, affects us a lot more than we realize. It affects us in how we view our relationship with God. Just sitting in here for 45 minutes or an hour and a half on a Sunday, you're saying, yeah, right, 45 minutes. An hour and a half on Sunday and the other services in a week, it isn't, it isn't going to fix all of your problems. We have to be committed to the long term and continue to plant seeds and continue to work at it. We have to be committed to this thing. And so God gives us an illustration, and rightly so from agriculture. I'm not a farmer, but I know this much that you plant seeds and then you wait for them to grow. And as you wait for them to grow, you cultivate and you water and you work at it and you work at it, or you're not going to get anything. We, we started a garden. And sometimes we start gardens and we want it. We really badly want to be able to go to the backyard and pick cucumbers and pickle them and do it. We had one, we had one great year, didn't we? And, uh, and someday we'll have another great year. Um, and we even have a watering system out there that comes on on its own timer. It's a hose that's run out there and you just use a water timer. And we have all these things. But you know, a lot of times if you aren't out there and you aren't cultivating, it doesn't come to fruition there is a need to work at it and work at it and god gives us this illustration from agriculture that is very important for us to understand in 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 perspective or in in view of our of our spiritual lives in our lives and relationships so let's look at galatians chapter number six and verse number seven it says this be not deceived god is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap, what? Corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap, what? All right, so I'm going to wake you up this morning. All right, let's do that once again, and I'm going to ask you to, to come in here. Uh, for he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap, what? Very good. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap, what? Life everlasting. And let's read this last verse together. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. All right, let's ask God to help us to understand and apply this into our lives. Dear Father, thank you for giving us your word that gives us direction. Our world tells us that, that we, can, we can apply quick fixes to many things. And in 30 minutes or in 30 days, our life can be different. Lord, there is, there is truth that when we come to you, uh, Lord, you can begin to make changes in our lives that, that we'll, we'll, we'll be able to see some results uh, in the shorthand. But many times it, it takes a long time. It takes time to see the spiritual fruit of what we begin planting today. And so I pray, Lord, that you give us a holy resolve to plant seeds today and this year and that we'd be willing to cultivate and work and, and see you bring fruit in our lives that would be, have an eternal impact and that would change our relationships and change our home lives and, 
uh, Lord, rectify things that may be out of sorts. So be our teacher today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want us to look in this passage of Scripture, and I want us to realize several things. If we're going to have a good spiritual harvest in the future, it's going to mean doing some things right now. If there are going to be some things changed in your life, and perhaps right now, even as you think about your life and your relationships, perhaps there's some things that you realize, these are not, these are not exactly how God would want them. These are not exactly uh, the right way of doing things. This is not um, biblical, or this is not Christ-honoring, and I know it needs a change, and, and I'd really like to find something that would just solve it now and be able to you know, snap my fingers and this is solved, but realize God says, hey, if you're going to have a good spiritual harvest in the future, it's going to require some things right now. Fixing problems in our lives and our relationships are not going to be instant, but if we begin today, by God's grace, we can see change. By God's grace, we can see change. And so really my heart this morning is to kind of confront this, this mentality in our culture that bleeds over into our lives, this instant fixes to spiritual problems. Uh, sometimes families fall apart, and at the last minute they want an instant fix. God says, no, 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 this is a, this is a situation of sowing and reaping a harvest. And uh, perhaps in your mind you, you think, well, I'm reaping a harvest that I don't like reaping because of seeds I, I sowed a long time ago. My encouragement to you today is still, right now begin planting the right seeds for a future harvest that is right, that you want. It's never too late to start planting right seeds. It's never too late to begin doing the right thing. You say, my kids are grown and gone. It's never too late to start doing the right thing and pleasing the Lord right now. And, uh, and there are stories in, in the Bible of people who in later in life began to do the right thing and had a powerful impact. Think of the Apostle Paul later in life beginning to do the right thing and having a powerful impact on the church. Think of the, the disciples when they came to Christ and began doing the right thing. And sometimes they made some mistakes along the lines, but as they began to plant the right seeds, what a powerful impact it made on the future. So how can I reap a good harvest in the future? Here's some things I want us to realize. First of all, realize our potential right now to be misguided about where we are. Because he says in verse number seven, let's read that first phrase together. Are you there? Say amen. Here we go. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Let's read it together once again. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Now he's talking to believers like you and I. You and I have the potential to be deceived about where we are. We have the potential to be misguided about where we are. That's the idea of deceived. And God says, hey, listen, there's a potential in your life as a believer to be misguided about where you are. Our own heart oftentimes misguides us. Do you remember what Jeremiah the prophet said in Jeremiah 17 and verse number 9? That our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That your heart as a believer, as a person who still has flesh, our fleshly tendency, our, uh, what energizes us on the inside, our, our tendencies are evil and oftentimes can deceive us. We can act and live as if God can be outsmarted. He says, be not deceived. Don't be misguided. God can't be outsmarted. Isn't that something that we need to remember today and be reminded of often, that our God sees everything that we do and he cannot be outsmarted, outwitted? He's not gonna, uh, we're not going to be more clever than him. 
He says, be not deceived. Do not be misguided. And we know what his word requires oftentimes in our lives, yet we live as if we'll outsmart God. We'll be the one that that does not follow his word, and God will just look at us as, as sometimes a parent, a permissive parent might look at a child and just shake their head and pat them on the head. Someday you'll grow out of that. But the fact is, God will not be outsmarted. He does not look at our lives when we, uh, when we plant seeds that are contrary to his word. He does not look at us, just shake his head and say, well, someday you might grow out of that. You know, pat us on the head, it's all right. No, he's not going to be mis- uh, outsmarted. He's not going to be, uh, he's not going to, at the judgment day or in our lives, it's not going to be, well, you're going to be the one that gets by with it. No, his word will come true. God is never outsmarted. Look there. He says, God is not mocked. The idea of mocked is to treat with contempt. To treat with contempt. It's the idea to turn the nose up at and say, oh yeah, I'll show you. And that's sometimes how maybe a, a, a teenager will be towards their parents. Oh, yeah, I'll, show, I'll prove you're wrong, right? And then they, they grow up a little bit, and they find out that mom and dad were right. They find out that mom and dad really did know. And God says to, uh, to us, hey, I'm not going to be outsmarted. You might turn your nose up at me, but I, in the end of time, I will not be outsmarted. You will reap what you sow. That's an important lesson for us to learn. The idea here is of contempt of court. There's two ways of having contempt of court. You can be just unruly in the courtroom, and the judge has to call you down. You're disrespectful. Uh, you're out of order, and he calls you down, and you refuse to calm down. You refuse to stop, and he calls contempt of court on you. The other way of having contempt of court is willful failure to obey the order of the court. And in both ways, we show contempt of court. And in the same way toward our God, when we ridicule or mock at him and like, well, you know what? I know what you, I know what you have said, but I will continue to live this way because I will be the one that outsmarts uh, you. I'll be the one that, that gets away with it. And God says, no, I am not going to be mocked. I will not be mocked. God is never mocked. Think about Eve. Here's the only woman in the world that ever walked with God as a perfect human being in perfect fellowship with God. And Satan lured her into believing that she could outsmart God. By the way, Satan wants to lure you into believing that you can outsmart God. He works at that. I mean, that's, that's what he's working at every single day. And Eve found out she couldn't outsmart God. God said, in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. Satan goes, did God really say that? Like, are you really going to die? And she found out, yes, her life, her spiritual, uh, her spiritual, uh, uh, her spirit died and became separated from God. She absolutely did exactly what God said, and then she died physically. But she died. There was a separation between her and her creator. And the same for Adam. Think about Eli, who was a high priest. He knew the word of God. And yet did not call his sons to obey. And made God of a mockery in, in, in Israel. Was God at the end of time out, outsmarted? No. Judgment came upon Eli and his family. Think about Jonah. Did not Jonah know as a prophet that he could not run from God. 
And in that quick instant of a moment, he decided, I'm going to run to Tarshish. I'm going to go as far away from God as I possibly can, knowing full well that you cannot escape the presence of God, yet he tried. I'll be the one that gets by with it. No. God cannot be outsmarted. Think of Ananias and Sapphira. As Barnabas brought a gift to the church uh, um, from the sale of his land, gave it all to the church, and the church was like, boy, what a blessing, Barnabas. Boy, you have been such an encouragement to us all. You have been so generous. And they're like, we want to get on, in on this on generosity, popularity. And so they sold their land, and they gave part of it to the church and acted as if they gave it all. And it wasn't the matter that they gave part of it. It was the fact that they acted and lied to the Holy Spirit of God, lied to the body, and acted as if they gave it all in order to gain personal popularity among the people. They thought they could outsmart the church, thought they could outsmart God, and uh, was God outsmarted? No. And the fact is, neither will God be outsmarted in our lives. And it doesn't matter if we're a church member, it doesn't matter if we're a preacher, it doesn't matter what our position is in, in, in the body of Christ, it doesn't matter at all. We will not outsmart God. God will not be outsmarted. Too often we deliberately sow wild oats, one man said, and pray for crop failure later. And we, we, we go against the word of God and then we expect it to be a different outcome. God says, I'm not going to be outsmarted. I am not going to be mocked. And we can be misguided in our lives. Yes, in our Christian lives. Yes, lives that look all put together. We can live a life that's, um, that, that, that practically lives out. I'll be the one that outsmarts God. I'll be the one that beats the curve. I'll be the one that doesn't receive the consequences that God promises will come in a life that um, does not put God first. I'll be the one. We can be misguided about this. We can live as if God can be outsmarted. And Paul explains why God is never outsmarted. Look at verse number 7 again. Read it with me. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also... That's a fact. That is a fact. God's laws are never wrong. Whatever we sow, we will reap. That is a fact of nature. That is something that God has set down. That is something he's designed into creation. It will absolutely come true. The Bible says in Psalm 25 that his laws are perfect. They're perfect. You might be able to find loopholes in man's laws, but you will not find loopholes in God's laws. God's laws are absolutely perfect. There was a whimsical story that's told of a man who jumped off the the Empire State Building. And as he was passing the 50th floor, a man looked out at him and said, Hey, how's it going? Well, you know, how's how's this, uh, this jump going? And he goes, So far, so good. But the fact is, the law of gravity is not enforced at the 50th floor. It's enforced at the bottom. And soon he would find out that it was so far not so good, right? And sometimes we, um, we live our lives and we're like, we're, we go against God's word and we go against God's word and someone says, how's it going? It's going great. It's going great. It's not the point at which God's law and God's word is enforced. God's law will always come true. It will always come true. And he says to us, hey, make Christ the center of my, my, uh, your life. Make Christ the center of your home. Make Christ the center of your marriage. Hey, actually, I found out that you don't actually have to make Christ the center of my home, my marriage, my life. 
It's working out pretty well. Right now is not the time that it's going to be enforced. At some point later on, when it, the, the harvest comes, is when we're going to find out, actually, I had to obey God's word. Mark 13 and verse 31 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. They'll not be broken. They will not be broken in one, uh, one way or another. They will not be broken. There is no breaking of God's word, whether it's the law of gravity or the Ten Commandments or anything else that God has said and set in place. His laws are never wrong, and we can be misguided about that. The world wants us to think God's word won't come true. Satan wants us to think God's word will not come true. In fact, he does it to it this way. The very delay of judgment or the very delay of harvest oftentimes causes people to go further into their opposition to God's word. Well, God, God hasn't judged me yet or God hasn't called me to account yet. God hasn't uh, disciplined me yet, so it must not be something that God's really against. Listen, if the word of God is against it, God's against it. That's it. He gave, us, he gave us the instruction manual. How many times have you, have you put something together, got all the way to the end and realized it doesn't work properly? Right? And someone asks you that dreaded question, most of the time it's, it's the wife. Did you follow the instructions? Right? Did you follow the instructions? I put up a fan this week. I was very thankful when I got to the end of putting up the fan. Uh, I put them up before. Uh, so I, I, but I was very thankful that it, that it worked, and it worked well. I did have to look at the instructions uh, a, a time in there to make sure I was wiring the thing wrong. I will, I will say this. I had a little bit of trepidation as I flipped the switch, Brother Tom. And is this thing going to blow? Did I wire it right? Uh, but but, the, but the, the, at the end of the day, sometimes we haven't followed the instruction. We haven't followed the instruction. And we expect that something's going to come good of it. And God says, no, my, I will not be mocked. I will not be outsmarted. My laws will always, always come true. The harvest of our wrong choices very rarely comes immediately. And so that's why Solomon said so wisely in Ecclesiastes 8 and verse number 11, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. And that can even bleed over into our Christian lives where God's word, the harvest of our wrong choices, doesn't come forth immediately. And so we say, well, you know what? It's really not that big of a deal. Maybe God isn't really against this only to come to the harvest and realize, no, actually, I was going the wrong way, and God's word came true. We must bank on this, men in our homes, God's word will come true. It is never wrong. And for us, as we watch our country uh, shaking and crumbling and falling apart in many ways, we must remember God's word will come true for them too. It will come true. God's laws are never wrong. And they will never, they, uh, no one will ever escape the harvest of going against God's laws. Sin does have pleasure. Moses said it. Uh, it. It does have pleasure for a season. For a season. And even though the consequence of the harvest might not immediately come, that should not cause us to stop and say, you know, really, this isn't that big of a deal to God. If God's word says it, it's a big deal and we should follow it. And so we can be misguided. God can be mocked. No, no, he can't be. 
God's law isn't going to come true. Yes, it is. Every single time, it's going to come true. And so God says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Don't be misguided. We have a potential to be misguided. In fact, I want to put it to us and bring it a, a little bit closer to home into our daily lives. Anytime that we step away from the Word of God, from the voice of the Spirit of God, and even from the the body of Christ, our potential to be misguided in our lives, to be deceived in our lives, the potential rises in in an enormous way. So you say, well, pastor, how do I make sure I'm not misguided? Make sure that you stay close to the word of God, listen to the voice of uh, of the spirit of God, and stay in the body of Christ. He knew that we needed this gathering. And uh, don't you think that Satan is just, is having a heyday with the body of Christ right now? causing us to run in fear and say, oh, we don't actually need this. Yes, we do. And there are believers who are being deceived even right now because they, they, they're distant from the body of Christ and, and, and it's causing problems in our lives. We can be deceived and mocked and begin to get in, uh, involved in things. There are seeds being planted today that tomorrow or five years from now are going to reap a harvest that no one wants to reap, that our families don't want to reap, that our marriages don't want to reap. We can be misguided, but notice he says, our harvest is our choice. Look at verse number eight. He says, he says this, for he, uh, he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Conversely, he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Our harvest is our choice. Now, we live in a world and a culture that has told us that you are a product of your circumstances around you. It's not your fault. Everything that's happening in your life is somebody else's fault. You are a victim, and you should capitalize on the fact that you are a victim. And God says, no, our harvest is our choice. Our harvest is our choice. In reality, each one of us need to take responsibility right now in our lives, in our relationships, in our marriages. Where I am is because of seeds I have planted in the past. Where I am today is because of seeds I've planted in the past. And lest, lest at this point you begin to say, boy, this is, this is too much and this is discouraging, just remember, God is a gracious God and merciful, and we'll get to that. Please stay with me all the way through. But we need to take responsibility for where we are right now. Guys, if our homes aren't working right, we, I, we need to take responsibility right now. We are where we are because I've planted seeds. I've allowed seeds of of putting other things in front of Christ. I've allowed seeds of unforgiveness. I've allowed seeds of overworking. I've allowed seeds of of frivolous spending. I've allowed whatever it is, I've allowed seeds to be planted that have caused me to be where I am right now. Take responsibility for the action. Our harvest is our choice. The idea of uh, sowing is exactly what you think it is, putting seeds in the ground. Putting seeds into our lives and then cultivating this. But it is the idea of this way of life. These seeds are planted in the way of life, in the course of my daily life. It's it's seeds planted in the course of time. Do you realize every decision that you made on Christmas Day is a seed that will uh, reap a harvest in the future? Every, Every decision you make today is a seed that you are planting, and and it it will be harvested at some point in the future. Every decision that you make, 
Every word that you say, everything that we do is a seed that at some point will be harvested in the future. We sow in the way of our lives. But notice something, when we reap, we reap those in moments of time. We reap it in a moment of time. And something that was sowed along the course of our life, and in a moment of time we reap, and sometimes we're like, I don't like reaping this. And here's the thing. We reap in a moment of time what we sowed in the way of life. And so, friends, the key to having a different harvest is sowing a different, uh, uh, sowing a different seed right now. What do you want to be harvesting five years from now? What do you want your family to be five years from now? What do you want your marriage to be five years from now? Where do you want to be in the future? Start sowing the right seeds right now. And so he says, you have two choices. I love this. God doesn't say, you have 500 choices. No, he says, I'm going to make it really simple for, uh, for, for my creation. You have two choices. Don't you need simple? I need simple. All right, two choices. Here we are. Let's, oh, let's break these down. You have a fleshly harvest that you can have. Do you want a fleshly harvest? We say in our hearts, no. But oftentimes we plant to the flesh. And God breaks it down so very clearly. He that soweth in the way of his life, day by day, it's, it's the idea that it's an attributive thing. So this is the characteristic of your life. You sow through your characteristics, through your character, through your way of life. He says, if you sow in the way of your life to the flesh, day by day, moment by moment, decision by decision, you're going to of the flesh reap corruption. Think of the seeds of the flesh, the works of the flesh. Go back to Galatians chapter number five. Let's consider these for a moment. Verse number 19. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. What does that mean? Uh, God is clearly showing them. He's revealing them. He is uh, he's making them uh, known to us, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. He there is dealing about immorality in our lives, which our land is full of, and frankly, sometimes even, even God's people have allowed this in. Even on, 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 on the national stage, just this week, does it not pain your heart when you know of a believer who has had a a notable ministry and then it comes out that they they have been immoral and have failed sexually does it not break your heart does it not break the heart of god and friends by the way it should sober us we should never say something like well i would never do something like that we should say by the grace of god god help me to stay pure praying for purity is not just something that we pray for our children before they're married Praying for purity is something that we need every single day. We live in an extremely impure society. It's everywhere around us. And God had to deal with the church oftentimes. He's writing to believers. Listen, he says to believers, the works of the flesh are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. The lasciviousness just being just this rampant, just this, this, this idea of I'm just throwing off all the restraints and I'm going after it. And so he says then, verse number 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, immolation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies. I mean, you talk about a tangled up mess of, of life. Satan worship with all sorts of anger, intention, and problems. He says, that's the flesh. That's what the flesh craves. That's what the flesh wants. He socked me, so I'm going to sock him back harder. 
Verse 21, envians, murders. By the way, God said, if we hate a person in our heart, it's the same as murder. Drunkenness. Ephesians 5.18 tells us that drunkenness is the gateway to every sin imaginable. Revelings, partying, just unrestrained living, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And what is God saying there? Those who, are, who live this out as their way of life, they're not a child of God. The characteristic of their life. Now, let me ask you a question. Do children of God ever commit adultery? You can talk. Yes, they do. What he's talking about here is a way of life. This is the the whole pattern of their life. Do children of God commit a sexual sin like that and be able to go on throughout their life and have no chastening? Does God chasten his children? Yes, he does. By the way, when we receive chastening from the Lord, he says this is a token of his love, and, and it's also a token that we are his, because he does not chasten those that are not his own. But the world goes on in this and goes on in this, and though they have consequences of it and broken lives because of it, uh, they don't receive the same chastening of the Lord. They will stand before him and receive judgment for their sinfulness, but they don't receive the same chastening that a believer does. So uh, does a believer do sin? Yes. Does a belie- uh, can a believer envy? Can a believer get drunk? Yes. Will God come after them and judge them for this? Yes. Will God deal with them as a child? Yes. He will. The seeds of the flesh, boy, we don't want to plant to that. That's the past life. That's the life of the unbeliever. We don't want to allow that into our Christian life. We don't want to allow that into our homes. We don't don't want to allow any of that. And we sow to our flesh when we gratify the cravings of our flesh. So when I say yes to my flesh and no to the Spirit of God, I sow to the flesh. By the way, that can be in a simple attitude. That can be in a simple comment that we make towards our our kids or our spouse. That can be in in the small instances of our lives when we crave something in our flesh and we say, I'm just going to give in to that and I'm going to do that. We sow a seed to the flesh and God says that seed will undoubtedly come through in corruption. The fruit of the flesh is corruption. Corruption. Uh, Not a pretty word. Um... Decay. Uh, I had my son to the dentist uh, three times over the past uh, several weeks, and uh, he had to have a tooth, as they say so nicely, wiggled out. Not pulled, wiggled. We're going to wiggle it. Okay, (laughs) no, what is being said there? But uh, do do you know why? Because over time, you couldn't see it. It looked fine but there's decay on the inside. And you know it's the same way in our lives when we sow to the flesh. You don't oftentimes see it. Everything looks good, and then all of a sudden, we reap the harvest of corruption, decay. And it's that time in between the planting of that seed to the flesh and the the harvesting or the decay coming into full view 
that we think everything's all right. I'm getting away. I'm getting away with it. And God says, no, 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 no. You will reap corruption. Mark my words. You will reap destruction in your life. You will reap problems and ruin in your life. What a difficult thing. No one wants to be in the lawyer's office signing divorce papers. But there were seeds planted. And you say, boy, it wasn't on my side, or I, that's a very difficult thing. Listen, I, 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 want to encur- I want to encourage you. The Lord helps beyond these, uh, these things. When we reap the harvest, he is a God of mercy right there in helping us through. But we got to take the ownership for where we are right now. Where we are right now. Um, George Fusco was an IDM programmer. Uh, and I heard this term, and I had to go look who, who said it. I used to hear it from one of the pastors I knew growing up. And uh, he would say, garbage in, garbage out, gigo. A- any of you remember that? Remember that? He used that to teach his, his programming class that um, whatever you put into the computer, it simply processes what you put in. If you put in garbage, you're going to get garbage. And it's a great, it's a great lesson. Uh, we, what we put into our lives, we get back out. If we put in lust, we're going to get lust times 10 and more problems that go along with it. And so whatever we put into our lives, whatever fleshly things we give into, we will reap a harvest of the same. David was a man after God's own heart, and he he sowed into his life seeds of lust and seeds of adultery. And the Bible says in uh, Second uh, Samuel 12 and verse number 10, Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, God speaking, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Whoa. So God said the harvest, David, that you're going to reap is your home is going to be in constant strife. And even in your home, there is going to be the sword. There's actually going to be bloodshed in your home because of what you did and um, killing Uriah and taking his wife. That was a man after God's own heart, a man that had a sensitive heart to the Lord. And that happened to him. God did not suspend the harvest of his fleshly seeds. On a national scale, our country is reaping today seeds that we sowed back in 1960 and before. And you know what? We are praying for God's mercy because that's all we can pray for right now. We cannot pray because we didn't plant the right seeds. Our country planted the wrong seeds of rejection of God. And many times the church said, you know, we don't want to be too political and so we'll just stay out of it and we'll stay, uh, uh, hang back and we won't get involved and we won't be involved in uh, education. We won't be involved in all these things and we'll just hang back because we, we're the church and we're not supposed to be in, in the scene of that. And listen, the harvest we are reaping right now in our country is from seeds that were planted very deliberately by very evil people who are left unchecked and now we're reaping it. All we can pray for is the mercy of God. What are you sowing today that will bring the destruction and destructive harvest of tomorrow? I remember um, a preacher, I think it was back in school, but he asked, I- is there something you're doing today that in five years would destroy you? 
something to that effect. And it stuck with me. What am I doing today that is going to bring ruin into my life tomorrow? Is there a habit? Is there a attitude? Is there a mindset that I am, I am willing to live with today and willing to allow in my life that's going to be problems out tomorrow? And I think we have to be honest. Lord, am I sowing seeds to the flesh today? I think every one of us in this room needs to ask ourselves that question. Am I sowing seeds to my flesh in my life, in my relationship, in my marriage, in my home? Am I sowing seeds to the flesh right now in my day, today that are going to reap the corruption that you promise tomorrow? I think about the seed of lust and pornography sown in our lives today will bring in the future mental, mental defilement, broken relationships, hurt, uh, covenant eyes. If you're not familiar with it, I've given you a link there in your, in your uh, guide. Um, it's something that is important because the church of the living God here in America is being destroyed by pornography. It's something that we, we, we want to say, well, everyone looks good, everyone's fine. But to realize that, that Satan has so cleverly put devices in our hands that can be anywhere in private. Uh, many homes have TVs within children's bedrooms. Video games that go unchecked. Video games that parents don't know what's back in the levels of the video game. Many video games secretly hiding pornography back in. Getting young people hooked on it. You say, oh, that's not a, that's not a big deal in, in church. Yes, it is. Uh, the surveys that, is, uh, that, that have surveyed churches in America say that 64% from Covenant Eyes, 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say they have... They, they watch porn at least once a month. It is a problem in the church of God. Listen, we need to get past the, the idea, the thought process, that, that these types of sins do not enter the, uh, the, the, the church of God. The Bible actually told us that these things should not be named once among you. Uh, why? Because they were being named. They were among. And the fact is, Satan loves to take down um, uh, uh, people and Christians and derail them by getting them so bound up in lust. And it's not anymore just a man thing, it's a woman thing too. It, it, it's happening. And, and God says, listen, if you allow this in your life, it's going to re, uh, reap a corruptive harvest in the future. You're not going to want to reap this harvest. This going to be broken relationships, a defiled mind. Think about this. Uh, Covenant Eyes says, uh, viewing porn releases a powerful mood alter chemical that literally rewires the brain until you create and crave it more than authentic human connection they go on to say it creates a cycle of shame shame is the feeling that we're flawed and unworthy of love and you using porn creates that shame which isolates us and we return to the porn to cope with it isn't satan a master of bondage You're so, you're so wrong for doing this. So wrong, so do, do it more, is what he says. Doing it more will help you on. Uh, statistics say, um, again from Covenant Eyes, one in five mobile searches are for pornography. 
and it's in the church of the living God. How can we expect God to bring revival into our churches when, when we are not willing to be open and accountable and, and allow God to change us from the inside out? Perhaps you struggle with it and you feel, boy, I could never get past it. You can there is hope. It's a seed you need to begin planting today. There is hope. By the way, this thing is not just like, it's, it's the, the young. Only the young get involved in this. Old people get involved in this too. I should say mature people. Get involved in this too. Friends, Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He hates you. He does not want you to be effective for God. He does not want you to be confident in your relationship with God. And if he can get you involved in secret sin behind closed doors, cause you to look great in front of others, but have you to be inside full of decay because of seeds that you're planting today, boy, he would just love that. And so I just want us to realize we must be honest with ourselves. We are where we are because of the choices we've made. I want to give this last statistic because I want you to realize that it's something that we must be aware of. Statistics from Covenant Eyes mentioned that one in five youth pastors, one in seven senior pastors, struggle with porn on a regular basis. The church of the living God has a, has a problem just like they did in Ephesus and just like they did in Corinth of sexual sin and how we must be aware. Not in the idea of like, Remember what it says. Go back to uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. For years it was the, the mindset, well, we stay hush-hush, and if anyone, if anyone sins like that, we want to kick them. Listen, let me just say, in this church, we don't want to kick anyone who's overtaken in a fault. We want to love and help restore back to, uh, to fullness in the, in the Lord. And if it's a, a sexual sin like this or some other sin, we want to love and restore back to fullness and a full relationship with the Lord, a, an open, confident relationship with the Lord. But we must stop planting the seeds, the fleshly seeds, right now and begin planting the right seeds if we expect to have a harvest in the future that's a spiritual one. Seeds of unforgiveness, as we've already heard, you continue to plant them today? What are you going to reap in the future? Broken relationships, defilement, defiled relationships, all sorts of problems in the future. Bitterness, seeds of gluttony. Our, our nation, but even the church of the living God. You say, well, gluttony is not the biggest deal. God told us to put a knife to our throat. He told us to be moderate. It brings on disease. It brings on physical deterioration before our time. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. We are to care for them. We're to watch out over them. And so I'm just saying, whatever, it, it might be in an attitude, it might be in an action, it might be in a secret sin. Wherever we plant a seed of, of, unto the flesh, we can expect that there will be a harvest of corruption. It says, that's your choice. I don't want that choice. Do you? I do not want, I do not want the decay. 
So by God's grace, let's take the second choice, which is a spiritual harvest. He that soweth to the Spirit, to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, shall of the Spirit, by the Spirit's power, reap life everlasting. So the seeds of the Spirit. It's walking in the Spirit. It's very simple. It's not all these things that you got to do, this huge long to-do list that the, the world and Satan wants to convince you that Christianity is all about this to-do list. He says, I want you to do one thing. I want you to obey the Holy Spirit every day of your life. I want you to listen for his voice, and I want you constantly to take the step that he tells you to do. Every time you take the step that the Holy Spirit prompts you to take, you plant a seed to the Holy Spirit of God, and the harvest will be abundant. Now, it's simple. It's simple. So many things we can plant in our flesh. So many different things we can do. But the moment we say yes to the Holy Spirit's prompting, I will do this. You might not even understand it, but he prompts you to do this. Don't say that to that person. Respond with kindness. Yes, sir. We plant a seed. We plant a seed to the Spirit. He says you're going to reap life everlasting. You're going to reap the blessings that God designed the Christian life to be. Some people might say, well, the Christian life isn't very exciting. Maybe we need to start planting to the Spirit. Because when you start reaping back the fruit of the Spirit, is love, isn't there, doesn't the world write about this? All you need is love, right? And is there love? Look, e even just this week, Christmas Day, someone blows up a RV, in our nation. They search for love, they have no love. Why? Because they're driven by the flesh. When we're driven by the flesh, we reap the same corrupt harvest. But when we uh, plant to the Spirit of God, he says love. Hey, yeah, maybe that person deserves to be told what for. But you love on the, you, you say yes to the Holy Spirit and you reap love in your life. Joy. People want joy. They, 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 they crave for this. The world wants it. Drink this. It'll give you joy in the high life, right? No. Peace. Peace. The world says and offers peace through so many different things. You can be medicated and have peace. Take drugs and you'll have peace. Let's get it legalized so everyone can exist in a, in a, a state of high and, and, and peace in the moment. Have you not noticed walking through stores more recently, the smell of increased weed. I was out in California. I'm telling you what. You walk in like, how are you guys living with this stuff? It, 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 it seems like it's permeating society. But if you take this, if you get high, you'll have peace. No, you won't. Peace comes through the Holy Spirit of God as we say yes and plant that seed to the Holy Spirit of God. As we live a life under his control, long-suffering. You want to be more patient this year in 2021? Begin saying yes to the Holy Spirit of God today. You want to, be, you want to have more, uh, more help from the Holy Spirit? You want to have more temperance, more gentleness, more goodness, more faith, more meekness, that strength under control? Begin saying yes to the Holy Spirit of God today. Now, he told us in John 16 that he is the one who would come into the world to be our comforter, but he would be the one who would guide us into all truth. To guide us into the practicing of all of what God said. Do you realize that we have a coach walking with us to help us plant the right seeds? 
isn't God good? Isn't God good? And all that we'd open up our ears to him and begin allowing him to tell us, don't do this, but plant this instead. And listen, we would have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and etc. all nine fruits of the Spirit existing in our lives. And the blessing that God designed the Christian life would be existing in our lives if we would say yes to the Holy Spirit of God, planting to the Spirit of God. One man put it this way, the one who sows with view to the Spirit That is, the one who chooses his course of conduct with a view of fulfilling the wishes of the Holy Spirit of God is the Christian who reaps the blessings of eternal life which God has given to him. I'm not experiencing the blessings of God in my life. Well, then today is the day to start planning to the Spirit. Many times we live far below what God expected us to live. He did not design the Christian life to be joyless. He did not design it to be without peace. He did not design us to be constantly bundled up with impatience and and the inability to be long-suffering. He designed us to have those attributes in our life, but it means that we have to plant the right seeds, and so we say yes to the Holy Spirit right now if we want that in the future. Now, here's something that's, that's key to what we're discovering today. Sometimes we get in the middle of the harvest that is coming back from our fleshly seeds. And we think that if I plant one seed, one spiritual seed, it'll immediately change everything. No farmer goes out to the field, plants, plants a seed, goes out there tomorrow and says, where's the harvest? Where is it? Shouldn't it be here right now? But believers do this all the time with God. God says, pray to me without ceasing. Cast your burden on me. I cast my burden on me, on him, and I still have some burden on me. I still have some frustration, some anxiety. Keep planting the seed. Keep planting the seed. Cultivate the seed. Water the seed. Work the seed. Allow God time to work in your life, and you will surely have a harvest as sure as his word is true. Let's not have this idea of one spiritual seed, and the next day it's going to all be changed. It takes time. It takes time. And so, verse number 9, God tells us our commitment is required. Something our generation does not like very much. We need a revival of commitment in our lives to the Holy Spirit of God and to following his way and to believing his word. And so he tells us in verse number 9, don't be weary in well-doing. Keep planting the seed. Keep planting well-doing. Keep living under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. Keep doing the right and the good thing in your life, and you can expect that there will be a harvest in time. Keep doing the right thing. Verse number 10, he tells us, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. Keep doing the right thing. Don't be disheartened. Don't be weary. Don't be discouraged. Keep doing the right thing. Maybe you're right there. I started. I have a desire to see some change in my life. I've started doing some right things. Don't be weary in it. Satan will test you. Satan will push back on you. There will be all sorts of opposition. Don't be weary in well-doing. The heat will, um, will rise oftentimes when we make good decisions in our, uh, in our spiritual lives, but don't be weary in well-doing. This idea of weary or the word is used for a husbandman that is out in the field working and is wearied under the labor, under the fatigue, under the hot sun, God says, don't be weary. Don't get discouraged. 
The harvest doesn't come tomorrow. Don't get discouraged. There is a harvest coming. It might not come tomorrow, but there is a harvest coming. I promise you that. And so we need to continue to be committed to say yes to the Holy Spirit of God and keep on planting the seeds and not be discouraged. Yes, Lord, I'll not worry, as you told, but I'll place my um, faith in you. I'll not worry about what I do not have, knowing that you promised to provide for me. And if I'll continue to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then at some point in the future, all these things will be added unto me i am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing you say i'm weary without him you can't do anything and neither can i and so we say god would you please help me today i am tired i'm tired of doing the right thing I am weary in this. The world is all against me. Sometimes even those I love are against me. I need your strength today to do the right thing and to make the right choices to plant to the Spirit of God. Keep planting the right thing, but keep anticipating a spiritual harvest. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In the course of time, Wearsby said it this way, it takes time to grow a spiritual harvest. It takes time. Quickest harvest I've ever seen. My mom used to uh, make sprouts. She didn't make them. God made them, but she used to plant them and grow them. There you go. Um, have you ever seen a sprout machine? Any of you like sprouts? Sprout, a good sprout sandwich? Y'all are missing out. Like, we, I, I hardly knew a salad growing up without a, a good helping of sprouts on top, right? I see some faces. You've never had sprouts. Uh, Christopher's has sprouts. Uh, they come out in some of their sandwiches. They're pretty amazing. Um, but it was about three days. She would put those in there, and this sprout machine, and it would water, and it, 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 it was quite a, it was quite a, a, a machine. It, w- it sat on a tabletop, and you would watch the sprouts just grow pretty amazing. It, 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 was a, it, was, it was a harvest that came about three days, three days later, and it was quite a harvest. Now, sometimes the, the, the seeds were bad, and so the harvest got kind of nasty and would stink, right? But uh, right seeds cultivated in the right way would, uh, would produce a, a wonderful harvest. You, know, you don't know when the harvest is going to come, but it will come. Uh, I was reminded in thinking of this is in the view of parenting, God says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. It's a proverb. It's a principle. Um, many times, even I, I know we have parents here uh, uh, this morning, sometimes we, we take all of their decisions on us. They have a free will. But you have this, this idea, if you've planted the right seeds in their life and you've planted the truth into their life, God will make that truth come back, um, back up in their lives. And uh, if you have a child away from the Lord, how I encourage you to continue to pray that the things that you planted in their life, the truth that you planted in in their life, will continue to grow and will at some point work out in their life. But the Bible helps us to realize a spiritual harvest takes time. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Don't be exhausted, God says. Don't, Don't quit. God says. Satan loves to get us to believe that sowing a spiritual harvest, sowing spiritual seeds for a spiritual harvest is not worth the effort and time. Just give up. The world has a quicker way. 
This pop religion has a quicker way. Just do it their way. Uh, Do it the easy way. Find the shortcut. God's blessings are always worth the wait. God's blessings are always worth the wait. I remember sitting down in the Rotary Auditorium in, uh, in Winona Lake, Indiana, and I was at a prophecy conference, and I sat down to this older couple uh, as a single young man called to preach, and I was just, I was sitting down there, and I don't remember if it was my freshman year or some, at some point, it was a summer, and I was sitting down there waiting to hear this, this, uh, this noted um, prophecy speaker, and, and I was talking to this, this older couple, and they began to talk to me about my life. Hey, uh, do you have a girlfriend yet? No, no, not yet, and I uh, just uh, trust in the Lord, and they said this to me, God gives the best to those who leave the decision up to him. You know, our world says just go out there and just make it happen. And the spiritual seed of saying, no, I'll wait on God's time. I'll trust the Lord. I'll trust the Lord. And you know what? God absolutely came true on that. I know that personally in my life. He couldn't have given me a better better wife and a better spouse. Right? Leaving the decision to him. What is the seed in our lives today that we need to plant so that we can have God's best for tomorrow? And he says, you plant a spiritual harvest. No, fixing the problems in our lives and relationships, they're not going to be instant. If there's a problem that is open in your life, it's not going to be an instant fix, but you can, by God's grace, begin planting the right seed today by saying yes to the Holy Spirit of God. Say, I've made some bad choices. What now? I've planted some bad seeds. What now? You know, our God's merciful. Uh, Israel made a lot of bad choices, didn't they? And God's not done with them. Hosea 10 and verse number 12 says, Sow to yourselves righteousness and reap in mercy. Right now begin sowing in righteousness. Right now begin sowing to the Holy Spirit. Today is the day to begin sowing spiritual seeds in your life, in your relationship, and in your home. Right now. Will it change everything tomorrow? The harvest might take longer than tomorrow. But read your Bible today, read your Bible tomorrow, say yes to the Holy Spirit of God, pray without ceasing today, pray without ceasing tomorrow, continue to say yes to the Holy Spirit of God, and you can expect that God will bring a harvest. And so, in our, in our quick fix mentality, in our culture that always wants the quickest way about it, God says, no, this is the law of sowing and reaping. And we must be content, we must be resolved to plant seeds today. And trust that the Lord will stay true to his word and give us the, the, the harvest of his blessing, the harvest of a spiritual harvest, a spiritual nature that will be one of enjoyment, one that we can just revel in the blessings of God. And so let's ask the Lord to help us to know what those seeds are today by his Holy Spirit and begin planting even right now. Father, thank you for this opportunity uh, to allow your word to correct us and to help us to, to stop planting seeds that we shouldn't be planting. Lord, I need your help in my life, and I know that these, my friends, need help in their lives uh, to plant spiritual seeds every moment of the day. So give us your grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.